Iowa everywhere. Live from the Channel Seed Studios. Channel Seed Studios. This is Jared and Jabo and Iowa everywhere. Where? Jared Stansberry. Jared Stansberry. Jordan Bohannon. Jordan Bohannon. Together on Iowa everywhere. Channel Seed. Seedsmanship at work. Yo, welcome to the podcast. On Iowa everywhere in the Channel Seed Studios. Dude, so I don't know if you saw this the other day, but uh, Matt Van Winkle, who works for us here at Iowa Everywhere, he tweeted me a video that the Big 12 put out. They stole our theme song. No, they did not. Yes, I'm dead serious. They did. They used the same exact song. Can we sue? We should be. We should send them a cease and desist. We have to, right? We have to. Yeah. And it's funny. The video came out. And right when I like, and this was, it came out a couple weeks ago. And when I saw it the first time I listened to the music and I was like, damn, that sounds really familiar, but I had no idea what it was from. Like I couldn't point, I couldn't pinpoint it. And then when Matt sent it to me, I listened to it again. I was like, oh my God, that's what it is. They What's took our the video. It was like them announcing their schedule release or something like that. Like something you know, something just dumb, but apparently that music is some sort of stock music that other people are using as well. We need to get the, we need to get the full rights, exclusive rights to this music. And then we need to prevent the big 12 from using it ever again. Well, I thought you were going to say they had channel studios announcing their, their sponsorship with big 12 in the background. In the background, it just says Jared Stansberry, Jordan (laughs) Bohannon together here on Iowa everywhere. That would be insane. I would have to read the rethink about my life after if I, if I, if I opened up a random big 12 video and that was an introduction, I would think I'm, I'm on some sort of medication or something going on with my head. I would like to think that commissioner, your Mark saw our podcast, watched the podcast, heard the opening intro. And he's like, damn, that hits, like, that hits. We got to use it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I could totally see it. Maybe he's bobbing the head. Yeah, he's bobbing the head a little bit. He's like, "Ooh, yep." It's like the meme of LeBron when he's in the in the studio with uh, two chains. Have you ever seen that oh, one? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And he he's got his head bobbing like that. Yeah. Well, hopefully it's not like LeBron normal videos when he puts videos out there and he's just not rapping the right lyrics at all. Nothing compared to what the rap music is. I could see that being the Big Twelve commissioner when he's listening. If he listened to our if our podcast and stole our theme song, him listening to uh, Black, the Yabba Dabba Do All Navy is a is an all time great video uh, ever. And then uh, the T Grizzly when he's in the in the gym, yeah, uh, hit the yeah, hit the Rolly store with the Rolly on, yeah. uh, Jag portfolio. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> the word. That always kills me, dude. It's like right after they won the title in 2016, he was back in the, back in the, in the lab and he's just like making these goofy videos. There is nobody out there right now. Who's just unintentionally funnier than LeBron James is. I don't even, he's not even trying to be, that's what's so funny about it. Like yeah. it's, it's amazing. Like he has to be the music thing. I have to think to myself, he's doing that on purpose, not rapping right lyrics. I think he's just like an old head, you know, like, I think that's like the thing. He's like, not I think that he's... old though. But I mean, you know, for being, if... for doing some of the things that he does on the internet, taking videos of yourself and things like that, rapping video, rapping the lyrics. I mean, LeBron's IG is, is iconic for just being 
really random, you know? So, so you're telling me you're in about 15 years, you know, you're going to be posting Instagram stories of you rapping T Grizzly. No, you will never see me rap into some T Grizzly ever, ever, ever. Ever. So, so you don't, so don't even like him. Do you like rap? What's your favorite kind of genre? I mean, I do listen to rap. I listen to a little bit of everything, you know, I, I don't know. But T Grizzly is not my T Grizzly is not my style of rap. It's weird. Like I used to only listen. Oh yeah. I shouldn't say only. I, I listen to a lot of country in the summertime, but when I was in college, it was only rap music. Like my first couple years playing and then like before games. And then like after once I got, like a little more settled in, I would only listen to country music because I feel like I would freak the fuck out if I was listening to rap two two hours before the basketball game. I couldn't control my emotions. I did a podcast with an Iowa State player one time that uh, he told me, I asked him what is music like that he listens to in his headphones before the game or whatever. And he, he told me that uh, he likes to listen to rap, but he has a life rule that he can't listen to rap in the morning because it gets him too fired up in the morning. And so he only listens, he would only listen to like gospel and stuff like that in the Ooh. morning. Uh, otherwise he would be too fired up. Well, that'd probably be a good start to your morning too, listening to some positive upbeat music, being a little optimistic about life. I don't know, man. When I'm listening to Franklin or something. Yeah. yeah. When I'm listening to rap music, sometimes I just feel like I, I just get in the hole. I just can't get out. I go down. I feel like, I feel like I'm going to end up in the trap, yeah. you know, yeah. like, like I'm going to start slinging some dope or something. You yeah. Know? Doing something, doing something. It just, it just gets you in some type of mood, you know, yeah. you're like, I don't know. get out here and drop buckets on people. But instead I want to get another phone and, uh, use it to contact all my lady friends. <laughs> don't let your girlfriend hear that one. Well, yeah, obviously I'm not going to let her, hear, you know, I'm just, I'm just saying that's what, if I was to listen to Kevin Gates, two phones, I'd be like, man, I should get a, a phone, one for the load and one for the, I'm not going to say the word, but, uh, yeah. the other word that he says, in that you song. could say it. Um, no, I can't say that. I can't say that word on the, on the radio. Well, 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 I think you could. Well, I mean, I could say that word on the podcast. I'm not yeah. getting canceled for quoting Kevin Gates lyrics. Yeah. Right. I think I was, I think people are probably people that don't know this song are probably thinking we're talking. They're going to go look up the lyrics for two phones. If you don't know the, and you're going to find some lyrics that make absolutely no sense whatsoever. Cause I still don't really understand why he had two phones yeah. to this day. That song's like seven years old. I don't know. I told you, I didn't, I haven't, I told the story in the podcast about my G league teammates this past year, how they all, yeah, had, they all had two phones. phones. Yeah. 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 I'm like, what are we doing? And I fell out of place. Maybe you should have got another phone. Maybe I should get three engines and just have one level on top of them. <laughs> I walk in, I have three, I have two phones in one and one, one, my other hand. Does so, did they like, did they use the second one for business purely? Is it's like, is that like a thing that it's like, oh yeah, this is my business phone. I would imagine, but like, I don't know. You're a basketball player. Right. I mean, I would get it because they spam your phone so many times about our schedules and stuff. So I would imagine like the two-way contract guys like Luca, I know they had to just leave the group chat in their G league because they would get confused on, Oh wait, is the plane on this time or what team am I on right now? Cause they get right. brought back up so many times, but Luca didn't have two phones. Matt Ryan did. I know Matt Ryan did. I don't know. It was a weird, crazy 
I thought I was in a different dimension when I saw everyone having, I kid you not. I walked into the bus. We're in Chicago. We're playing like our preseason game. Like I've, I haven't officially made the team yet. And I'm walking the charter bus after we just had like a shoot around and I see guys in the back, like they're, they're in their seat, like looking scrolling with the right phone and scrolling through their left. I'm, <laughs> I'm like, what is going on here? Am I missing something? Am I not a part of like some special club? They've got their Twitter feed open on one and then they've got their Instagram feed open on the other. Honestly, that's probably what it was. Well, the other thing, like everyone's phones are just have the black screen too. So I'm like, how serious are we into just people privacy right now? I mean, I get it, but well, you're the one that's sitting around there looking at everybody else's phones. That's you know, why I'm have... curious. Wouldn't you, you be? What's going on? Wouldn't you be curious? Oh, absolutely. But I would just ask, I'd be like, Hey, what's the second phone for? I was scared. I, I, I didn't want to seem like a dummy. They just look at you and they're like, what are you a narc? Yeah. And, and well, another, I'm like the only white guy and I am the only white guy on the team. So yeah, I felt, I just felt, I felt, intri- I felt intrigued to know, but I didn't want to ask. Cause I yeah, didn't. You, it was, it felt like everybody else was in on a secret, but you didn't know if you wanted to be in on the secret too. Correct. But I really, but I, I did really want to be a part of that secret. <laughs> Whatever that secret was next time you uh next year you just like first thing first thing you need to be like hey if you have two phones before we even get this season started i need to know what you need what you use that other phone for otherwise it's gonna drive me crazy all year yeah i i I honestly that's the first day i need to ask that question and when they say that reason i'll probably run to my nearest t-mobile and get that other phone no actually no matter what the reason is whatever they say they're probably forced me to get a phone you're like, you, gotta like, you don't have two phones. What kind of idiot are you? Yeah. I was like, I don't need one. They're like, yeah, you need one. I was like, okay, I'll get one. <laughs> That's exactly how the interaction will go. Oh man. All right. We got plenty of other stuff to cover on the podcast tonight. Uh, just full disclosure for everybody. I'm going on vacation here for the next 10 days. We're recording this at nine o'clock Monday evening. Uh, it's going to run on Wednesday. We're not going to probably record a podcast next week just because, uh, uh, of being on vacation and then it's gonna be the fourth and everything so we're just not going to work through that but uh do have a couple of different topics that we're going to hit for you here tonight hopefully none of them will be too incredibly timely to where they will uh will age out before the we hit the weekend but um first things first chris murray taking with the 23rd pick in the 2023 nba draft by the portland trailblazers uh gonna be teaming up with uh with damian lillard scoot henderson who was the number two pick in the draft uh one pick before the kings who traded up to number 24 and nearly teamed up with his uh with his brother keegan but thoughts on chris ending up with the blazers yeah obviously really happy for him knowing him and his family um anytime you have family member get drafted i can imagine that's emotional um moment they'll remember for the rest of their life i think i think the fact that they just a testament to coach McCaffrey on who he's been able to get in the NBA these past few years. I know it's always been kind of a joke a running joke with Iowa and Iowa state, like Iowa state's always had incredible athletes and they've been able to find their way in the NBA and find playing time and um, find a role to stick. And Iowa really hasn't had that until Fran came along. And I think that's a testament to 
you know, Coach McCaffrey coming in and and making that a big example of you know wanting to develop guys and guys that really weren't under recruited or really heavily recruited, just exactly like the twins were with the Murray twins. They weren't really anyone in the country really offered them, and they went to a prep school. And um, I remember playing with them the first year they they were there, and I thought you know Keegan was going to be really special, and Chris was just a little little behind them, but I knew he was going to be right there as well. And, um, I think I think it's really incredible to see the amount of talent, not only Iowa University of Iowa, but Iowa State's in the NBA too. There's just a lot of Iowa guys that have found their way, have stuck. Um, if they have been sticking, they're right on the verge of being able to find the role. And I think that's that's incredible to have because Iowa is such a I feel like underrated state for for college basketball and batch, basketball athletes in general. So I think that only provides more of inspiration for a lot of these younger guys to. Uh, want to do something great with whatever profession they choose. So I know that there were two twins who were picked back to back in the top five this year, but I would be interested to know how many times there's ever been twins who were picked in back to back years. That can't have happened very many times. I know, I know one stat. It's funny you bring that up because when I was t- seeing that, I, I saw someone else tweet about how I guess they showed Chris Murray as Keegan highlights for the draft last year. So they were saying this was the first uh, uh, year back to back play. The same player has been dra- has been drafted back to back years. It's unbelievable research there. That's funny. Uh, what do you think his fit will be like? I mean, you don't need to know everything about the Blazers, but what just how is his fit in the NBA game going to be? Yeah, I think mean, obviously, in my opinion. Keegan and Chris are just totally different players. Anyone that's watched a handful of Iowa basketball games have, will be able to have that same opinion, I think. But um, what I think is key for Chris, and um, obviously I'm trying to find my footing in professional basketball as well, so my opinion always means so much. But um, just being on the edge of that door of playing with some of these NBA players, I think the main thing is just establishing um, – the speed to the game. I think that's, that's the biggest thing from that, from college and NBA there's you're, you're looking at every single player on the team as the star player or was in their college team. And um, it makes that competition and, and you're fighting for your livelihood, right? Like this is, this is what people make their lives to change generations of their families on. And um, I think that was kind of my mindset. Even when I was in the G league, like realizing these guys are fighting for their lives, literally figuratively, figuratively every single day to try to make a name for themselves. And, um, I think as soon as you're able to establish that, um, mindset, I think the, the more you're going to find your way to stick into a role. And, um, th- I mean, that's number two as well, just being a part of a role. That's what NBA is. Every player has that max guy. That's going to be that superstar. That's going to average, you know, 20 to 30 points a game. NBA teams aren't looking for that. I mean, even the guys that are drafted past 15, you know, pick 15, they're they're looking for guys to come in and and find a role. They're not looking for guys to try to put up thirty shots and want to want to score the ball. That's not what NBA teams are looking for. Right, and even then, the guys that end up being those type of guys usually they develop their way into it. Not be, they don't like show up and they're just like, all right, you're going to take twenty five shots a game now, my man. Yeah. You know, like yeah. even some of those guys. I mean you know, Victor Wimanyama and like some of those guys are kind of outliers, but it's like you look at even like a Scoot Henderson who'll come in as the number two pick in the draft. Like he's not the guy in Portland. We all know who the guy with the Portland Trailblazers is assuming that he's still on the team by that point, you know, and 
uh, that that will make them kind of fun to watch because they've kind of got that young core of uh, like all their all their role players and like some of their like secondary players are all really young. And then you've got Dame, who it's all kind of built around. And it'll be interesting to see if they can get another star that can come in there and make an immediate impact, and they can you know be pretty good. Because I would think like they're not that far off from it feels like being in a position where Keegan and Chris could both be on playoff teams in the Western yeah. conference. Yeah. And I think another example for our, our state listeners too, is obviously, you know, Niang, Monte and Tyrese. I think the fact that what they've been able to do is extraordinary. Like they're phenomenal college basketball players, but um, they didn't try to push the boundaries. I feel like, you know, Monte came in and did what he did. He didn't turn the ball over assisted and found guys that can score the ball. Tyrese did what he did in, in college and, and perfected even and better at the professional level. He didn't force his position or his role when he got there. And, um, you know, I think Niang is honestly probably the, the best example of being a role player in the whole NBA. I mean, he's a guy that probably people would look at him. You're like, well, how the hell is he in the NBA? Right. Mm-hmm. Like his body figure, he just has a, a different body figure than a lot of guys in the NBA, but um, he shoots the shit out of the ball when he's in there and he, he plays defense and he hustles his ass off. And really those three things can take you so far in the NBA. And I think, you know, Chris Murray is smart enough to realize that. Uh, completely had to change his game. That's what so I respect so much about George is that he had to really make changes to the way that he played the game in order to stick, you know? Yeah. And like, I don't think anybody's going to look back on George Niang's college career and be like, yeah, he really shot the shit out of it and defended the hell out of people. You know, I guess it's never going to be what comes up, comes to mind about what George was as a college player, but that's what he had to do if he wanted to stick in the league. And he's really bought into that. And it's obviously paid off for him. I got to be honest. I was sick for Monte Morris when the Denver Nuggets won the championship. Yeah. Uh, Because for him to go from playing for that team and being in that organization to playing for the Washington wizards and man, I think anybody who's seen over the last couple of days sees that the wizard situation is not exactly what I would call the most stable of situations. And that just, that was a tough break. Cause you like for him to be with that group all the way through when they were coming up and really coming together. And then you're like kind of the odd man out. And it was really just because Denver couldn't afford to pay him, you know, like he just wasn't worth, or he was worth more than what they were able to pay him. And it just is like, it's a tough situation. It's all just business, but man, that would be a that would be a pit in the stomach type of feeling of like man i I was that close to getting a ring you know yeah for sure and i mean you look at guys i mean i played with a few guys that were in that denver nuggets association um you know emmanuel moutier was with them um pj dozier and i played with those guys this past year and i i know talking through april i mean they were saying how they're gonna win the championship just how they were playing how how well they were connected as a group but um, it's kind of a thing, right? Like I remember talking about Luco uh, Garza about this when we won the Big Ten tournament um, two years ago. He's like, you know, I felt like I was a part of that, right? Because he helped build the, the program to a point where we were able to get to that point as a team and have that morale to make a run. And I know Emmanuel Moutier and PJ Dozier were saying the same stuff. Like they felt like those guys that were out there and for Denver Nuggets, like those were the, their guys, like those were their teammates that they helped build to uh, this point of their organization to be able to make a run. And um, yeah, it, it's weird how well connected a lot of these NBA guys I learned firsthand how well connected and how much of a teammate they feel like it's, I mean, it's truly a brotherhood. And when you see someone, a former teammate win a championship, you felt like you're part of that. That's what's always so funny to me about how you, because it is a brotherhood. And like, and I feel like there's a lot of 
just general mutual respect from most guys around the league, which is why it's so funny then when you see some of the guys go on TV, like former players and stuff like that, and say some of the things that they do that are so out of pocket. And you're like, bro, those are your guys, man. Like, what are you doing? You know, like Paul Pierce always comes to mind. Paul Pierce says some out of pocket stuff, dude, on TV or whether he's with Kevin Garnett or like anything like that. And I sit there and I'm just like, man, like I remember watching him one day arguing with somebody about Dwayne Wade and whether or not Dwayne Wade should be in the Hall of Fame before him. And I was like, bro, like, what are you talking about? You know, like, how can you go on TV and be that self-conscious of like, oh, this guy, I'm better than this guy. I'm better than this guy. How can you give legitimate opinions on basketball if you're going to have that mentality when you're on TV giving an opinion, you know? And like, obviously, Paul Pierce is a Hall of Famer, one of the greats of all time. So it's like, you know, whatever. But to me, it just that's a like kind of a bitter way. Like, how do you do your job that way and and not enjoy the game and embrace it? You know, it's almost like the older guys that have been playing the NBA and now they're kind of turning. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of good commentators and analysis out there. Like JJ Reddy's one of my favorite. I think he's so real and knows the game to the precise second of every movement that's going on in the game but there's other guys out there that i feel like they just let their jealousy get in the way like i I love the tnt crew i think they're fantastic and i mean obviously they have their moments but there's so many guys like you mentioned like paul pierce and then um, kendrick perkins i feel like there's so much jealousy that's built up that maybe they didn't accomplish as much as they wanted to and they're trying to you know bring that hatred towards some of the guys that are going through right now i don't know it's weird now that i've experienced firsthand to know like it truly is a brotherhood but you're right there's other instances out there from the older guys that just they take it personal for whatever reason i saw a meme one day it was uh it was a picture of uh kevin garnett ray allen paul pierce kendrick perkins and doc rivers and it said nobody's gotten more run out of one ring than this group right here and I was like, I was like, all right, well, hold up. First things first, Ray Allen's a two-time champion. He does not belong in this conversation. Two, yeah. Kevin Garnett's one of the greatest power forwards to ever play the game. Again, does not belong in this conversation. I was like, but those other three, we could probably have a conversation here about whether or not they got a lot of run out of that 2008 championship because they most certainly have. Like Kendrick Perkins has made his whole career now. Kendrick Perkins became a best-selling author because he played for the 2008 Celtics, basically. You know, literally, and I want to consider one of the guys. Like, he knows the game of basketball because he's played it for so many years. But he's not one of the guys I want to queue up and listen to because of some of the. I shit actually, he's I actually find Big Perk kind of entertaining because he you does know. some out of pocket things. You know that it's like you never know what that guy's going to say next uh, on TV. So it's like that kind of keeps him interesting. But at the same time, you there's a lot of times where all you can do is shake your head at some of his opinions. Yeah, but I, that, that's why I love JJ. Like he comes on and he puts these guys in their places. The guys that's played the game just with him, alongside of him for all these years. Like he'll, man, his podcast is extraordinary. I, I I recommend anyone that loves NBA basketball as much as I do to go go in there and listen to his, his podcast because he is so damn knowledgeable about the game of basketball. It's actually beautiful to listen to. It's it's literally poetry. Everything that he talks about from front from the start of this podcast to the end even when he's on tv as well there's a reason that there's only one guy from his generation of players that's on tv right now that's getting opportunities to interview for head coaching positions let's just put it that way you know that's a guy who could go and be a head coach in the nba probably today and be successful i would think weren't you the one that sent me that message or that uh tweet about one of the espn um 
anchors saying JJ record JJ Reddick was a below average three point sh- or an average three point shooter. Yeah, Mad Dog ended. Russo. Mad Dog oh, Russo, my. yeah. <laughs> That's that shit I'm talking about. About some of these guys that they hire. Mad Dog Russo doesn't count, dude. Mad Dog Russo is a, is a clown show. I he's I like he's Skip Bayless, but like just more like old school like all of his every reference he makes on tv is to like the 1970s you know and they'll they always do every time that he's on first take they do this segment where it's like what's mad dog mad about and or he'll have like some sort of list or like top five or something it's like top top five tight ends in nfl history and he'll have number one mike ditka number two uh, Kellen Winslow senior, you know, like all these guys. And then he'll leave off Rob Gronkowski and trip Travis Kelsey or Tony Gonzalez or like any contemporary tight end. It's like only old school guys, you know, that you're just like, you're like, bro, have you watched football in the last fi- like 25 or 30 years? Because based on your list, I find it hard to believe that you have, you know? I mean, I think about that every time I listen to some of these ESPN reporters. I mean, shit, we talk about all the time about these college basketball analysts out there that just say the most crazy stuff. Like, how are you even commentating on this bat on the game of basketball? You know nothing. You haven't played it. You've watched it for twenty years. I'll give you that, but you don't know anything that's going on behind the scenes or during during basketball games. It's just it's ludicrous to me that people find these guys so popular. I think that's, that's what shocks me the most here how these guys are so popular. I don't know. I still don't understand how John Rothstein is so popular, dude. It's the slogans. It's the slogans. It has to be. Well, that's what people, I feel like people grab onto. Like they're like, Oh, this guy, this guy has, slogans. I feel like I should follow him and give him a lot of my, my time that I have throughout the day because he seems like he, he knows something. The funny thing is I feel like I never see him give analysis, you know, like he just gives, he just reports the facts, but it's usually facts that anybody could go and find themselves, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. if they wanted to, like, I, yeah. I don't know. It just is, it is what it is, I suppose. Uh, but kind of on that note, we'll get to that here in just a minute. But first, I need to tell you guys our friend about our friends at the Hinterland Music Festival coming up August 4th through the 6th down in St. Charles, Iowa, uh, about 30 miles south of Des Moines. Uh, Sylvan, uh, or not Sylvan, so Bonnie Vare. Uh, uh, Zach Bryan, Maggie Rogers headlining the the festival. We've been telling you guys about this for weeks. We've been excited about it. Uh, everybody that I've talked to is really excited about it. Everybody's especially excited for that Zach Bryan show coming up on Saturday night down there uh, in St. Charles. You can get uh, camping and music passes right now at hinterlandiowa.com. Uh, that's August 4th through the 6th in St. Charles, Iowa, the Hinterland Music Festival. Uh, dude, I went to Chris Stapleton last week. This is complete side note. I think Chris I Stapleton. Yeah, he was Des Moines, right? Yeah, been to Hinterland uh, before. Uh, I have a, a concert concert behavior etiquette, etiquette question for you. Okay. Oh, no. Okay. So we're sitting in our section, me and my girlfriend, we're sitting in our section. If I had to guess, we were one of the younger couples in the area. Okay. Everybody basically in our section was sitting down besides two groups. Uh, I'm not going to be the one to stand up. I'm six foot seven. If everybody else is sitting down, I'm sitting down. 
I'm not going to be that guy, you know, like I'm not that asshole, but there was a, 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 a gentleman and his young lady friend that were sitting kind of behind us, uh, that were o- doing what I would only describe as grinding throughout the entire mm-hmm. concert in, in the seats, uh, next to people that are like in their forties, you know, is that, Am I wrong in feeling like that is irresponsible concert behavior at a, at a Chris Stapleton concert when you're sitting like in the arena, not down on the floor? Here's what I'll say. I have a couple of thoughts. One, maybe the behavior of grinding to Chris Stapleton might. Yeah. I think that exceeds the level of appropriate behavior at a concert because it's Chris Stapleton Two. I'm a guy, right. That I don't really care what people think about me. Yeah. So now granted now, if there's like someone in a wheelchair or there's someone that was so elderly that they can't see because they can't get up because I know how you're going to twist this or people are going to twist this. I will move out of the way and I will allow that opportunity to see the beautiful concert. However, I, if I paid for those seats and I am there and wanting, wanting to fully experience the concert environment, you're damn right. I'm going to have that beer in my hand. I'm going to be standing the whole entire time and singing along. So there was another group that they were standing the entire time and it got contentious eventually where someone told them to sit the fuck down. And, uh, they, I mean, it became a screaming match at each other where the, the ladies like, well, I would have sat down if you weren't such a fucking dick about it. And like, <laughs> and this is in the middle of the concert. Keep in mind, like they're going back and forth yelling at each other. And, uh, finally, like the group of, of women that were standing, they got up and, or they like left and went and sat and stood in the handicapped area. <laughs> It's so bad. <laughs> that, that, that is that is to a different level. In the it was intense for a minute, dude. It was intense for a minute. But then you could see the guy who had gotten mad at him, the look of satisfaction on his face. He's like, Yeah, I won. Fuck <laughs> you. I won. That is that is absurd. And you witnessed the whole thing. Oh yeah. We sat there and just watched the whole thing. Well, and then this was after this concert was kind of eventful. I'm not going to lie. This was after, uh, I, during the openers, the, uh, I had my phone out. I was just checking my phone, like looking at Twitter or whatever. The openers weren't really anybody that I'd ever heard of before. So I just like, wasn't really interested in it. And the people that were next to us were like talking shit about me the whole time for having my phone out and telling me, saying how disrespectful I was and all this stuff uh to my girlfriend to have my phone out while the openers were on the stage and i was like i i I couldn't believe that these people some people just don't have any ability to stay inside of their own business you know it's like why are you worried about what i'm doing right now why why is that guy worried about the those women are standing up why are the people behind us worried about the fact that these people are grinding on each other back here having a good old time as long as the clothes are on do what you want to do i don't know that's kind of where i land on a lot of this stuff it's like man just like just don't be mean to people don't get in people's way and just like leave them alone let them do what they want to do everybody's out here to have a good time not only am i shocked this happened in Iowa, because normally people that are in Iowa are 
genuine and pretty nice. I'm shocked this happened at a Chris Stapleton at a country concert itself. Because nine times out of t- nine, nine of the people you meet at a concert of the 10 at a country concert, I feel like are just great people. So you just might, you, you got put with all the, the I got put with the curmudgeons, dude. If you had <laughs> seen this section, you would have seen what exactly what I'm talking about. You would have been, you would have sat down and you would have been like, Oh, we're not welcome here. <laughs> These people do not want us in this area. I did realize because when I watched uh, a stage called Chris Stapleton, because he was a headliner on Sunday night, the difference between it was laughable. The difference between on Saturday night when Kane Brown was a headliner and the the uh, the diversity of ages there compared to Chris Stapleton Sunday night, it would have blew you away if I would have took a, a a panel of the, just the faces yeah. of how old everyone was on Sunday. Well, I was shocked to see the the general age of people, but then uh, what was his name? Marty Smith was the opener. I don't know if you know who Marty Smith is. He's like a '90s country guy. I'd never heard of him before uh, before this concert. But like, there were hella his fans there, you know, and they were all older people. And so it's like, I was really surprised by how many people were there that were just like. I don't know, like in their fifties or sixties, you know, I don't know that I'd been to a concert that had that many people that were that much older than me that were there. Wow. And that was in Wells Fargo, wasn't it? Yeah. It was at Wells Fargo arena. Yeah. I'm assuming it was sold out. Oh yeah. It was packed. Dude. Yeah. It was, it was crazy. It was a good time. It was a good concert too. Chris Stapleton's awesome. Was there uh, any like celebrities or like people? Well, yeah, he brought Marty Smith out to do a song, but that was it. I don't no, know. I and to I me, know. like, you know, that's not, that's not a celebrity. I don't know who that guy is. I don't know if there's any, like, yeah, any people, I guess there's not really any celebrities in Des Moines, Iowa anyway. So no. Yeah. Maybe not, Chris not, exactly, Williams, not exactly a, a superstar hotbed. All right. Uh, back to college basketball. Uh, Jeff Goodman uh, tweeted on Sunday. Uh, this was after Javon Quinterly, the former five-star guard, uh, at Alabama has been at Alabama for the last couple of years, been a, a key player for them over the last couple seasons, entered the transfer portal, obviously pretty late for people to be going into the transfer portal at this point. And Jeff Goodman, uh, feels that it's far too late. He said, quote, Javon Quinterly goes into the portal on June 25th. It's a complete joke. Should be an earlier deadline, May 15th or so for everyone, undergrads and grad transfers to have to go into the portal in order to be eligible to play this season. That still gives players more than enough time after the season ends. Uh, Thoughts on Jeff Goodman wanting to uh, put a deadline on the transfer portal, a hard deadline on the transfer portal rather than than what we've got right now where someone can go into the portal in, uh, in June. This is how idiotic that we were just talking about college basketball analysts are. They don't know the rules and what, well, I guess there's a lot of different ways we can go about this, but the the only way I want to go about this right now is a fact there is literally NCAA bylaws talking about how um, schools and head coaches have the ability to renew or decline scholarships every year. I mean, we brought it up before. Like this is basically like, um, like they're employees because they have an opportunity to get kicked off the team. Not saying this happened, but I mean, this is literally on the NCAA website, Jared division one schools may provide student athletes with a multi-year scholarships, which some schools do. Some schools don't. Additionally, division one schools may pay for student athletes to finish their bachelor's or master's degree after they finish playing NCAA sports. 
if a school plans to reduce or renew or not renew a student athlete's aid, the school must notify the student athlete in writing by July 1st and provide an opportunity to appeal. In most coach, most cases, coaches decide who receives a scholarship, the scholarship amount and whether it will be renewed. The basic you scholarship pulled on July on June 30th. You can, yes, you could have that happen. I'm not saying that happened in this instance. No, I don't no, know yeah. what, what exactly happened, but I'm using this as an example that the normal person that talks about college basketball don't understand these rules and why I've been fighting so long for college athletes because there's how idiotic is that, Jared, that coaches have the opportunity to pull or not renew a scholarship before July 1st. And we have guys talking about how there should be a, a, a more restrictive deadline on kids going somewhere. That's insane. Like you probably didn't even know that that had that was NCA law about a rule about regarding how how scholarships can get handled. Well, I, I I knew that it was a rule, but I didn't know that they had until July first to do it. I figured right. that it was something with the end of the previous school year or something like that. You know, because that still gives people plenty of time to be able to go into the portal. July first, what are you doing on July first if you get kicked off the team? Exactly. You're not playing anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. It's just, I don't know, it's crazy to me that, I mean, I'll go back to this because there's just so many people that act like they're knowledgeable about the game of basketball in college and they don't understand. I mean, how many times do we see, we just talked about it last week and throughout the season of all the crazy stuff that's happening with coaches throughout the, the entire NCAA and they have still have the ability to go wherever they want, whenever they want, as long as they get out of their contract, right? But college athletes, they they should be that heavily restricted where if they decide they don't want to be with the team in the summer or if the coaches decide they don't want their player to be a part of the program, they shouldn't, they should be penalized for that. Like that's absurd to me. Well, and especially if I think Alabama's brought in some good play, some really good players during this off season, they usually do. It's kind of what Nate Oates does. Like if you're there and you realize, Hey, I don't know if I'm going to play and I can graduate and I can go and play somewhere else. Why would you not want people to be able to do that? Yeah. You know, like why should he have to stay there and play, you know? And it just, it's pretty clear. Jeff Goodman is probably good friends with Nate Oates or someone closely connected with Nate Oates and was asked to float that or do something like that, or had some sort of opinion that had been relayed to him along those lines. And it just, I, that is just a very pro coach, pro school way of looking at it. That is not probably conducive to today's world of college athletics. Yeah. It felt like I was like a, a tweet that was typed by a college coach almost like that's yeah. something they were, they were lobbying at NCAA that they want something to be changed. Yes. Which I don't think that that's going to be changed. No, that even lobbying for that, I think is just a waste of time, waste of breath. It's not going to happen they're not going to put those restrictions on people. At least I don't, I, at least I hope that they don't because I just, I don't think that it would, I don't think it's fair to these, to these young people, especially the basketball season doesn't start until November. Right. You have five months to figure it out. You know, five months to figure it out. And you want to sit here and tell me how ridiculous it is that someone entered the portal in June, bro someone could enter the portal in October if they really wanted to, you know, 
like they can enter the portal anytime that they want to. There's nothing that, I mean, obviously there's the open periods and like all this kind of stuff. Like I understand all that, but someone could leave the team and say they're going into the portal anytime they want to right now. I'm sure Javon Quinterly sitting there saying, am I going to come back for the fall semester? I have only so much time to do this. I can get my degree and do this. He's just doing what he had to do in order to be able to go into the portal. And no one should be able to fault him for that. And he'll go somewhere. He'll play for, he could play for how many different schools in college basketball right now. And, uh, and he's going to go play. I'm sure he'll have success for somebody else. And I'm sure that Jeff Goodman will still be bitching about it in March of next year that Javon Quinterly didn't get, didn't play for Alabama because he went to the portal on June 25th, you know? And those are the same guys. How many times we talk about the instances? Like, I mean, Ed Cooley this past year, I'm, I'm spacing out on the other coach that made a run and, um, they said he wasn't going to this. Well, he told me, he told everyone that he wasn't going to that school and, um, he ended up going to that school. I, I'm, I'm completely spaced on the guy, but, um, these coaches, they can go wherever they want, man. Like it doesn't matter. They have no time frame. They, it doesn't, why, why restrict the athlete? If they, if they're, he's, I think he's a grad student. Like he's done his work. He's graduated. Like, why is it a big deal to anyone? doesn't make sense. I think the NCAA should put a rule on schools that they can't force coaches. They can't fire coaches or uh, force coaches to resign. And after uh, June 1st. Yeah. I mean, if they want to, because of how bad of a position it puts the players in, I'm yeah. obviously being facetious, but I'm just saying like, how dumb does that rule sound when you flip it the other way? Yeah. You know? I mean, that, that's a, I mean, I would be totally down for that. It won't ever happen, but I mean, the one thing that needs to be changed is that the fact if they're, if college athletes aren't going to be employees, have them the ability to not be punished by these one-year scholarship rules. Like, be a guaranteed four-year scholarship and have nothing that can ever happen for that coach to – if they don't like the player, that's one thing, but to just flat out just tell these kids they can go somewhere else and not renew really their scholarship and some kids just being left empty-handed – I don't know. Something needs to be changed. Either employee status or for your, you, you can't. You, there, there's so much restriction on the athletes. That's, that's not fair to them. All right, we got one more story, and then we're gonna uh, sign things off here. Uh, the headline from who13.com: uh, Carnival worker assaults two with bear spray at Iowa County Fair. Uh, from Howard County, Iowa, a Texas man is accused of assaulting two people with pepper spray at the Howard County Fair in Northern Iowa over the weekend. The two victims were from Southern Minnesota. See, okay, first things first, we got to just say, those folks from Minnesota, they sat up there and they're like, what am I going to do with my evening? I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to the Howard County Fair because we know they know up there in Minnesota that their county fairs do not stand up to the great county fairs in the state of Iowa. All 99 of them. Actually, I think there's 100 county fairs because I think Pottawatomie County has two. Mm -hmm. uh, that's how big, big of a deal the county fair is, is that some counties even have two of them. Yep. Uh, and those folks in Minnesota knew they just wanted to come have a great time. And uh, this man, Terry Harley, who was an employee of a traveling carnival at the fair, uh, is accused of attacking uh, Kimberly and Donald with what they called bear spray. Harley admitted to spraying the two victims with pepper spray and turned the canister over to authorities. Uh, he, the police say their investigation shows that he sprayed the victims intentionally and, and without provocation. No mm -hmm. other details have been released. Uh, two accounts of assault. Uh, they did have to go to the hospital for tre uh, treatment of their injuries, but have, uh, I think, since been released. Uh, Terry Harley, what do you think had to happen to Terry Harley for him to feel like he needed to pepper spray these people at the county fair? 
Well, be- before I answer that question, I think the most craziness of this story is the fact of what his T-shirt he is wearing, Jared, and and, yeah, and his suspect. I I would say this is I don't know ironic or it's pretty uh by grace alone through faith alone I'm not really sure what he was I think he he woke up and was feeling some sort of way by grace alone through faith alone there's got to be I don't want to know what is it what does it say on the last line is there a punchline that just completely eliminates those first two sentences? Yeah. This guy is, uh, by grace alone. I don't think so. He didn't show much grace that night. There, he didn't show that much grace that night out there at the Howard County fair. He was probably one of those guys that was be, uh, in that section. He, he was one of those guys put in that section, the Chris Ableton concert. He peppers instead of just asking the the ladies to sit down, he would have just pepper sprayed them. Yeah, he probably he's this this guy looks like he has about four bottles of pepper spray on him at all times. <laughs> <laughs> and people ask him why, and he just says, "You just never know." He carries them in holsters. Yeah, you just never know. He keeps saying to you guys, "Guys, someone should have turned the guy in before." When someone saw him put his seventh bottle of pepper spray in his pocket, someone should have said something. All the carnies that work in his traveling carnival group, they're like, man, this guy really carries a lot of pepper spray, but at least we know we're going to be protected in case of an emergency. And it's funny. They're reading this story to all his, all his, all his uh, work colleagues that he traveled in the carnival carnival for. And they're all reading this story. They're like, not surprised. We, we saw, we saw him. We saw the gallon of pepper spray in his pocket. Somebody sits there and it's like, but the problem that I have is that no one that works in the carnival is probably ever going to find this to be weird behavior because they also work in the carnival for a reason. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's a great, great point, <laughs> but are we really, we're disrespectful for a traveling carnival. Like, are, what do you <laughs> How do you even, uh, do you apply to that? How, how does oh, I'm that... sure you do. Yeah. I'm sure you do. You probably get paid in cash under the table. You know, this guy got, he get paid in pepper spray. <laughs> he didn't even take, he didn't take his cat, his, his, his two week paycheck. He's like, just give me pepper spray. I'm, I mean, we can call it. Just good. give me pepper spray and I'll get my shirt from the Bible studies down the, down the street. <laughs> this guy was locked and loaded for this county fair. Locked and loaded. He thought that he was just going to go out there and spread the word of God. And instead he had to spread his, uh, spread his spray around. The worst part is he's looking at the camera on his suspect photo. Like, like I, he has, like, he has no words. He's like, he just, he knew this day was coming where he was going to pepper spray two people. Like he was ready for it. I'm going to have to do this. And I just know that it's, I just know that I'm going to have to do what I have to do. He's wearing that t-shirt for a reason too. I believe like he had this whole thing planned. Oh, this is premeditated. This is premeditated. Yeah. Without a doubt, without a doubt. All right, man. Uh, have a good 4th of July. We'll uh we'll catch up with you again here in uh in two weeks, all right? Yeah, everyone be safe. No shooting fireworks out your ass. Are you is that like something no, that you learned no. from personal experience that you should never fireworks out of your ass? I never have, but I've always wanted to. Well, if you do, let me know how it goes, okay? If I do, it'll be on Instagram live and <laughs> 
and, and you'll be uh, you'll be yelling uh, hit the rolly store with the rolly on portfolio. <laughs> and people in the background, all my friends, will be like, Jordan, you got to get off Instagram Live. <laughs> It'll be one of those situations. Yeah, for sure. All right, thanks everybody for listening. We'll talk to you again soon. Peace. Iowa everywhere.